is Bad Boys and Beyond with your hosts, Mike Payton and Keith Black Trudeau. The game's over and the Pistons have won the world championship. Welcome back to Bad Boys and Beyond. I am your host, Mike Payton. With me is Keith Black Trudeau, and we have another big redraft today. I'm very excited about it. I love doing these. Absolutely love doing these, Keith. Uh, Tell them what we're doing today. Today we'll be doing the 1987 uh, NBA uh, redraft. Uh, This was an interesting year. I'll, I'll tell you what. The previous uh, redrafts that we've done, uh, all these drafts have been marked by, up until now, uh, a lot of really dumb trades that have allowed really good teams to jump up. Not so much in this draft. Uh, really, only one uh, major trade in the entire in the top 14 that we're doing. Uh, but there is, however, a, a historic uh, draft night trade that we will be getting into. Uh, what makes this draft unique? Uh, one reason, one reason only, uh, David Robinson, uh, one, probably one of the top four or five prospects of the decade of the 1980s, uh, center out of the Naval Academy. And why does that matter that he went to Navy is because, uh, back then you had a two year, uh, Naval commitment, uh, minimum, uh, no matter who you were. So it, it didn't really matter that David Robinson was the the undisputed best NBA prospect in college basketball in 1987. Uh, He was still committed to the U S Navy upon graduation. So uh, whoever won this uh, 87 lottery knew two things. One, you were going to get David Robinson and two, you were going to have to wait two years for him, which is kind of absurd, uh, you know, by today's standards. I mean, we've had, we've had a number one picks that have had to sit out They're They're, the year they were drafted, uh, Ben Simmons, uh, Blake Griffin come to mind, but those were injury related. Uh, David Robinson, before he was ever drafted, you knew you weren't going to get him for at least two years. And you know what? Uh, every single te- team in the league still would have picked him. And even in hindsight, spoilers, they still would have picked him. Yeah, it's it's really weird. You know, I feel like this might not ever happen again. I you know, it's you don't you don't see a lot of these these amazing basketball players playing uh, for the Naval Academy or service I'm not, in general. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even sure if Navy has a basketball team right now. I mean, that's how I haven't even I'm, <laughs> that's I'm how sure many Navy games I've caught. <laughs> I what, what 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 was Navy's basketball record last year? Oh, geez. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you. Probably not that great. Um uh, Jeez, I don't know. Let's look it up here. I, I'm looking it up right now. Okay. Uh, Navy's basketball record. Goodness. Actually, uh, believe it or not, they were 21 and 11 in the Patriot League. Oh, that's that's actually not not too bad. They were. They uh, were. Yeah. They were. Yeah. Um. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, historically, I mean. There, I, in 2012, they went uh, three and 26. I mean, it, I, I, I'm not trying to paint a picture that they've been sneaky good this whole time, but yeah, uh, the last two seasons, 21 and 11, and then in the 
the COVID shortened year. That they were fifteen and three before they had to shut it down. That's pretty crazy. If, I learned something. If Red Auerbach were still alive and still running the the Celtics, how many players would he be drafting out of the Patriot League right now? That uh, was that that was sort of his thing back then. He always yeah. liked to draft guys out of, you know, Holy Cross or Colgate or, you know, he loved those, those Patriot League well, guys. Yeah, it, it, it helped that the Celtics were, were local to Holy Cross and he had territorial rights. Right. Um, all right. Well, that's, that's that. That's a little bit of fact, a little, little bit of history. But I got something else for you today. Keith, would you happen to know who which which recording artist had the number one song in America during this time? In 1987. 1987. I, I don't even want to guess. Well, here, I'll just tell you. It's Lisa Lisa and Pump Jam. That's enough. <laughs> it may have been a good 30 years since I've heard this song, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I do remember head to toe. Yep. That was the number one song in America on draft night in uh, June of 1987. And uh, it's still number one in all of our hearts. Uh, all right. Without further ado, let's get to draft night. The San Antonio Spurs are on the clock. Keith, you have quantum leaped into the GM's body. What are you going to do? Yeah, this is going to be the most pointless episode of Quantum Leap ever because (laughs) uh, uh, unless I'm trying to stop somebody from preventing me from picking David Robinson, I'm still picking David Robinson. Former Defensive Player of the Year, rebounding champ, shot-blocking champ, Hall of Famer, dream teamer. Uh, Say whatever you want about David Robinson. One of the greatest centers ever. And is really unfortunate to be drafted in the same generation as Hakeem Olajuwon and Shaquille O'Neal. Because otherwise, uh, like if he he were drafted today, uh, I think he would no doubt be the best center in the NBA. Uh, Just And even with today's game... uh, the ability, his ability, his his athleticism, and his seven one, uh, solid muscle, uh, really good uh, mid range jumper. I think he could extend it out to three point range uh, if he were drafted today. A great defender. I, there's not much uh, else I can add about David Robinson. And as far as his fit with the Spurs. I think we've already seen it. He was an MVP in San Antonio, carried the franchise immediately, uh, turned them around from the worst team in the league to one of the best in his rookie season. Yes, they did not have a whole lot of playoff success uh, with David Robinson until they got Tim Duncan, but I don't care. I don't, I don't see anyone else on this board that's going to win me a championship in San Antonio before 1999. So you know what? This is one time where I, I I want history to go uninterrupted. I'm taking David Robinson, and I am very happy with the 
two championships I'm going to win on the back end of his career. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's really weird. Like he's he quietly, you know, went through the league uh, and just tore through the league. I mean, this is a guy that scored 71 points in a game once. Like uh, he, you yeah. know, he was the MVP of the league. Like why, how do people forget about, I don't know. He, he was well, just, he was so quiet. I, I, well, because yeah, I'll give you two reasons. Hakeem and Elijah won. I just. And Shaq. It, it, it Shaq to a point, but Shaq wasn't winning championships during David Robinson's heyday. And Shaq also wasn't in the Western conference. So yeah, you, that's true. it really, people were debating. They, they were debating at the time who was better between David Robinson and Hakeem Olajuwon. I know Basketball Digest, uh, I remember them putting out a, they used to have a section called Who's Better, and they pit two players against each other, and whoever authored that uh, that article uh, that particular month would, would do a rating system and then choose. And I know David Robinson won that uh, particular uh, battle. So that there were people that actually thought David Robinson was maybe a little bit better than Akeem. I know his efficiency and his stats actually were better than Hakeem's if you just want to look at um, the metrics. But really all that came to a head in 95 when the Spurs met the, the Rockets in the conference finals. And Hakeem took uh, David Robinson's MVP trophy and beat him to death with it. Yeah. But I, I, I don't I am certainly not going to penalize uh, David Robinson in this draft for not being able to outplay Akeem Olajuwon in his prime. Nobody could, not even Shaq. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, you know, it's the pick I would have made anyways. It's a pick I made too. Um, and speaking of boring picks, here's another one for you. <clears throat> the second pick uh, goes to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I think it's quite obvious what I'm going to do here. I'm going to take Scottie Pippen to join the Phoenix Suns. Um, it's actually going to be a fun little team there. They drafted uh, Jeff Hornacek last year. Um, this obviously prevents them from taking Kevin Johnson, who would be their starting point guard for, geez, forever, it seemed. Not necessarily, because they did not draft Kevin Johnson in this draft. Oh, that's true. You're right. You're absolutely right. They did not. The Cavs drafted Kevin Johnson. Good point. Yeah, so maybe they still get Kevin Johnson um actually uh believe it or not this makes it more likely in my opinion because the the how they got kevin johnson was they, they traded larry nance who was their all-star forward so if uh, you pick up scotty pippen all of a sudden maybe larry nance becomes kind of redundant yeah actually that's a good point yeah so maybe kevin johnson still winds up in phoenix i don't know i think the team that we're gonna have him uh picked by later is probably not gonna let him go but w we'll see uh, but Scottie Pippen and Jeff Hornacek and maybe uh, Charles Barkley shows up a little bit later. Uh, who knows? Um, could be could be fun. You know, Scotty's kind of that point forward early iteration of the point forward a little bit. And um, I don't know. I, I wonder what he does as the number one player on the team as opposed to the number two player on the team. Does Scotty have the success that he had with Michael? Um, I don't know. Uh, he was pretty good in 94 and 95 after Michael retired, led that Bulls to the Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe he uh, does some things in Phoenix. I guess we'll see. The Nets are up next. So th this one I had to think about just a little bit, but I I really don't see. All right, first of all, 
the Nets are a trash heap in 1987. Uh, they do have, if you look at the roster, they do have Buck Williams. Uh, that he was their rock for the pretty much the whole decade of the 80s, but he was mostly it. I mean, I think Orlando Woolridge is their second best player. Then you got Mike Jaminski. It's just a whole glut of uh, halfway decent big men. Not a whole lot of guard play. So I'm going to fix that. There are great guard prospects on the uh, board right now, but one is going to stick out to me. That is one Reggie Miller out of UCLA. Cheryl's brother? Cheryl's brother, as he was known at the time. Uh, Cheryl all. Already well-established as maybe the greatest women's basketball player ever uh, by the time Reggie Miller was drafted by the Pacers. Uh, not not an envious uh, position. But, um, yeah, Reggie Miller, uh, true three-tier score, but at the same time one of the greatest three-point shooters ever, e- even for a guy that was drafted, what, 35 years ago? Uh, wonderful offensive player. Uh, could really – carry you uh, as an off-ball shooter which was extremely rare and I, I i look at the nets and look the nets are going to be bad with or without no matter who i pick this uh, at this point but reggie miller gives them one hell of a foundation and if if they remain bad i can maybe pair him with Derek coleman things are starting to look up in new jersey i i think i could maybe change their fortunes in the 90s uh, just a little bit I wonder, uh, since Reggie has such a big feud with the New York Knicks. Oh, God, you owe. What, that is what such is, a great point. What is that like if he's just... Oh, thank you it, for bringing that up. Just across um, yeah. the way. Can, can you imagine um, if Reggie Miller pissed the Knicks off from from Indianapolis? Can you imagine what, what would have happened if he did so right across right across the uh the water in new jersey oh my goodness playing in the meadowlands oh my goodness yeah he 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 might have gone down as the greatest new york sports villain in history i yes, mean he's top, absolutely he's top five already he might be number one with a with a bullet if, if you put him on the nets and give him a similar uh level of success those nets nicks point those nets nicks games would be appointment viewing i mean you would have to watch that uh you know, I'm always the guy who recommends 30 for 30s. There's another great 30 for 30. Reggie Miller versus the New York Knicks winning time. Must see. Uh, absolutely great, Doc. Uh, the That feud was incredible. And you get so many great moments in doing the choking thing to Reggie and uh, – or to uh, Spike Lee, rather. And, um, and of course, the uh, unbelievable uh, three-pointer, then steal, then another three-pointer moment that is just the most clutch moment i've ever seen and you'll see uh about 40 different people say wherewithal on that episode um it's great the presence of mind (laughs) the presence of mind the wherewithal the presence of mind yes it's great um absolutely love that all right so i've got the los angeles clippers up next and um you know i kind of had to think i think this is where the draft starts yeah, uh, you know this is where this is where things go. Uh, the Clippers were a twelve-win team last year, absolute uh, garbage. I mean, this is a really <laughs> bad basketball team, uh, and they were going to get even worse because they would, you know, 
they would take on like Ken Norman. They would draft Ken Norman, who wasn't that bad. Um, and Reggie Williams wasn't that bad either. But but yes, there was a much better option out there. This team needs a point guard. They need to, somebody to build around. Right now, they've got Larry Drew and Darnell Valentine. And uh, and Larry Drew was was okay, you know, um, and during his Knicks days. Uh, but he's not with the Knicks anymore. That's That's not the guy... We're going to get actually next year. He's going to play in Italy. Uh, so we need a point guard and there's, there's one really very good point guard available. And that is the former mayor of Sacramento. Uh, actually the current mayor of Sacramento, um, Mr. Kevin Johnson, uh, <clears throat> of the university of California, Berkeley, uh, Kevin Johnson, KJ. I mean, this guy he played, it seemed like he played forever. You know, he, he gets originally drafted by the Cavs. The Cavs move him, uh, you know, what, mid-season to the Suns. He then plays for, for the Suns from 1988 to 2000. I think he started pretty much the entire time, except for, you know, that little short period when, like, Jason Kidd was there. Uh, and, you know, Kevin was just a foundational player. It, you know, I listen to the Knuckleheads podcast a lot. Uh, Quentin Richardson, Darius Miles. Shout out to those guys. Another great pod. Almost every time you get one of the a player from the '90s who who comes on, they always ask the first question is, "Who was the first player yeah. to bust your ass?" And it's almost Kevin Johnson. Almost any time a point guard's on there, Kevin Johnson was just a really great player. And uh, you know, couple All Star teams, a couple uh, uh, All NBA teams as well. Most improved player in '89. Number. Retired by the Suns. You got to love it. Clippers are falling into a great situation with Kevin Johnson. I think that he's he gets a good rebuild going and uh, maybe some good things happen there. Yeah, Kevin Johnson, it, people remember him from the uh, Charles Barkley years, but he was with the Suns long before that. And he, he got the Suns to the conference finals several years before Barkley ever joined the team. And if you look at his numbers when the Suns were a, a quote-unquote small ball uh, running gun offense, uh, they're actually very favorable to, to Chris Paul in his prime. So it, I, I think Kevin Johnson has kind of been – he's kind of gotten lost between the pages of history because there were so many great point guards. And he, he never – he didn't make it to the finals with the, the Suns the one time. They never He never got his ring. And like a lot of great 90s players, they kind of got overshadowed by Michael Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. But yeah, yeah, Kevin Johnson for for years was considered one of the three or four best point guards in the entire league. Great player. Love KJ. All right. So uh, I was so happy you made that pick because you saved me a difficult decision. So first of all, the... We have the uh, Seattle Sonics picking at five. And remember, I referenced this great uh, draft day trade that happened. And this is where we're going to get to it. And first of all, okay, so the Sonics technically are picking, but they are picking as part of a draft day trade with the Chicago Bulls. Now, you're asking yourself, if you're looking at the 87 standings, you're, look, you're looking at the, the Sonics are in the conference finals in 1987. So how did they get that fifth pick? Well, in a bit of a 
draft, or excuse me, in a bit of a trade redemption, uh, if you recall, the Sonics traded uh, the what would eventually be the number two pick in 1986 to the Celtics for for Gerald Henderson. It's the pick they used to select Lem Bias. Uh, so with a little bit of egg on their face, they turn around after that draft and they, uh, well, in the beginning of the next season, and they trade Gerald Henderson to the Knicks for an exchange of draft picks uh, in this year, 1987. And the Knicks were, once again, terrible. So Gerald Henderson, a career backup who I think never averaged more than 13 points or seven assists in a season, winds up getting traded for two top five picks in successive drafts, if you can believe that. So the Sonics uh, are going to take this pick and fumble it. They're going to trade it. Uh, to the Bulls for a, a 1989 uh, exchange of picks plus a, plus a second rounder. So even though the Sonics are technically on the board, I am picking for the Bulls. And my goodness, we have taken Scottie Pippen away from the Bulls, but I'll tell you what, what, what a great consolation prize and Reggie Lewis. Uh, th now this is a what if I would pay money to see. Uh, Reggie Lewis. Absolutely. Yep, Reggie Lewis. Um a late pick, uh, I think he was the last pick of the first round or the second to last pick of the first round that season uh, by the Celtics. Uh, it took him a while to work his way into the lineup. But once he did, man, he was a next level uh, tall wing, could post, could shoot, could defend, uh, could do really anything. You, he, he was a, a forerunner to the modern big wings of today. Even though he was kind of skinny, he was tall, he was long. So, and he... Granted, he he passed away tragically of a uh, heart condition in the summer of 93, but at that point, he had already well-established himself as an all-star and one of the top, uh, I don't say top five or ten wings in the entire league. And so I am going to definitely, I am going to pick Reggie Lewis. I'm going to pair him with Michael Jordan, and I am going to watch the Sparks fly because just just as Scotty Pippen was a great fit for Michael Jordan, I think Reggie Lewis could almost be the, as good of a fit alongside Michael Jordan. I, I think people don't, especially because of the, the Len Bias tragedy, people kind of overlook the Reggie Lewis tragedy uh, because it happened to the same team, the Celtics. But man, we, we actually got to see what Reggie Lewis could be in the NBA, and it was really, really good. A uh, very entertaining player. If you can ever look up his highlights on YouTube, I would highly recommend it. Uh, he's not a player that gets talked about, uh, and I think he really should. I, I put a video on, of his uh, playing against Reggie Miller on my own Twitter account. So uh, without further ado, it is going to be uh, Reggie Lewis to the Bulls by way of Seattle. Man, that would have been absolutely interesting. Uh Man, I, they still win a championship in 91, 92. No doubt about it. With Reggie yeah. and Michael, no doubt oh, yeah. about it. No doubt about it. Wow. So the Bulls don't miss a beat. You, you got to hate it. You got to hate it. You hate to see it. Um, all right. So the Sacramento Kings are up with the sixth pick. They are a interesting team as well, coached by Bill Russell. Um, and... Uh, the legendary Bill Russell, obviously. Um, and this is a weird team, you know. They they've got uh, they've got Otis Thorpe, they've got Reggie Theus, 
And um, they've got Michael Jackson. Nope, not that Michael Jackson. Completely different Michael Jackson. Uh, and Ed Pickney. They were going to take Kenny the Jet Smith in this draft. And I think drafting a point guard is the right way to go. But I think there's a better point guard out there, and I'm going to take him. Uh, I'm taking Mark Jackson for the Sacramento Kings. I think that that is a very good fit for this team. Uh, Mark obviously is, uh, you know, a long, long time player. Uh, great with the Knicks, was an all star in '89. Um, rookie of the year. Rookie uh, of this draft class. Yep, rookie of the year of this draft class. Uh, you know, the NBA assist leader in 97. He was a great player. Uh, you know, he was this is a guy that Indiana brought in because they thought like this, you know, we we need the guy like this to win. Um, played for a long time, played till 2004. You know, maybe he coaches the team after after he leaves Sacramento. Uh, I I always thought that guy got a bad shake um with the Warriors. I thought the reason the Warriors were as good as they were because of Mark Jackson and, uh, you know, no disrespect to Steve Kerr, who was a great coach, but I think Mark Jackson got them, got them to where they needed to be. And then was unceremoniously let go. Um, now I was been waiting for Mark Jackson uh, because there's a fun fact here. Yep. If you're a Pistons fan, this is either a fun fact or a, a very hurtful fact, uh, depending on how you look at it. But this is this is a what if we we've been into the what ifs lately, uh, especially on uh, NBA Twitter. But this is one that never gets talked about, and I'd like to mention it really quick. So I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we did, we did the '86 redraft uh, that the Pistons got John Sally with the 11th pick uh, by way of a pick swap, which they received as a reward for allowing uh, Terry Tyler to sign with the Sacramento Kings, basically a sign and trade. Now the Pistons had the option to swap picks uh, with them in 1986 or 1987, if they wanted to hold off. And I can't blame them for taking the first option because they were in win now mode. They were desperate. They were trying to get better. And look, John Sally was, I would say he was critical to them uh, that that first year of getting to the conference finals. Uh, but had they waited, man, had they waited, uh, they would have had the sixth pick instead of the 11th pick. They would have had the sixth pick in this draft. And on the board still uh, at the time with it, with the sixth pick in 1987 were uh, Reggie Miller, uh, Horace Grant. Uh, I want to say that, uh, who else was on the board? Kevin Johnson. They could have had Ke the Pistons could have had Kevin Johnson. Uh, now, look, look. E even even if that scenario plays itself out, uh, the Pistons, even with say they still get Dennis Rodman, I don't know who they would have picked at nineteen, which is what the pick they would have had had they not had they chosen not to swap in eighty six. It wouldn't have been John Sally. He would have been long gone. But. It, they still would have been looking for a big man. So I have to imagine the Pistons would have selected Horace Grant over uh, Reggie Miller or Kevin Johnson, but Nothing no matter what, that. That, yeah, that, that would have, that would have been a very interesting. What if to have the, the Pistons coming off a conference finals appearance, uh, the bad boys really getting close to their peak and then they have a top six pick with Jack McCloskey to play with. How cool would that have been? It would have been great. Yep. 
Yeah. I, we would have had to sacrifice John Sally, but and no disrespect to John Sally, I, I still think this would have been an interesting uh, decision. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen where that would have went. Now I do now that now we do have that, but I also do have a Mark Jackson fun fact, <laughs> oh, an actual Mark Jackson fun fact. So Mark Jackson gets selected by the New York Knicks um, in this draft, and and uh, and a few years later. There was, and some people might already know this, a few years later, there was a very, uh, very big, well-publicized murder that happened. These two brothers, the Menendez brothers. Oh, right. Yeah, I know you're going with this. They, you know, they murdered their parents. And um, there was a time period after that where they were spending up all the money. And one of the things that they were spending money on was courtside seats to the New York Knicks. Now there's a 1990 Fleer uh, card, or excuse me, 1990 NBA hoops card of Mark Jackson. He's in the card. He's making a pass. And right behind him is both Menendez brothers just sitting there. Uh, It's just one of the craziest uh, moments that are, you know, in the trading card community, everybody knows about this card. Um, a few years ago, somebody noticed it and the value of the card went, went flying. You know, everybody, uh, if you've been collecting cards since the nineties, you have this card. I guarantee you it's, it's sitting in a box somewhere. You didn't even realize you had it, but it's, um, it's just one of those wild things where, where these things converge, uh, at the perfect moment. And, um, I just always thought that was a very interesting story to tell. But Mark Jackson, the Menendez brothers, captured on a trading card. All right, so we move to the seventh pick, which is held by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, they are in a very interesting – the Cleveland Cavaliers have been down in the dumps for pretty much their entire existence since the mid-'70s. They made that one fluke run to the the conference finals, I think, in 75. But – the last 12 years have just been pure crap. And if you look at their roster, I mean, they're, they're ready. They're, they're, they're pretty close to ready to make their move. They got Brad Doherty, the, the number one pick from the year before. They've got Ron Harper. They, they've got an all-star in Larry Nance, which you know they're going to trade uh, later on for Kevin Johnson. Well, likely to trade anyway. Uh, they've got Mark Price, who struggled a little bit as a rookie, which is the reason the Cavs took Kevin Johnson. Uh, with this pick, and then Mark Price became Mark Price this year, and the Cavs decided that they didn't need Kevin Johnson anymore. So if I'm looking at my current roster right now, I I don't know that the Mark Price for Larry Nance thing, or, or excuse me, Kevin Johnson for Larry Nance thing is going to happen. So I'm going to double down. I know I'm set at point guard. So I'm not, I don't have the same worries the Cavs had in 87. So I'm going to select one Horace Grant. Ah! Yeah. Uh, he, I think, how interesting for the one, one, one of the, the three Bulls that dominated the Cavs in the late or late 80s, early 90s, for, to put him on the Cavs instead. And I, I think he adds that toughness that I think the Cavs, that was the one thing that the Cavs really lacked was that that physical toughness, that interior uh punch so to speak horace grand everyone knows him as the the third wheel of the the original bulls three p behind pippen and jordan 
but he proved himself to be much more than that. The the year Jordan retired, he he was an all star, and he got a whole lot of money from the Orlando Magic that off season, and he was really the veteran leader on that team that went to the finals. Uh, is he a difference maker for the Cavs? I'm not sure. I think he might be a locker room uh, intangibles guy. We know he's productive. We know he's reliable. Uh, regardless of the uh, very silly things he says about the bad boys behind the safety of a camera, and I will not say anything more than that, <laughs> I, I still feel good about this pick. Uh, Horace Grant, number seven to Cleveland. Oh, man, that's a bummer. I that's That was the pick I was... I was not going to let you have Horace Grant. Oh. Bulls. We're, no, you... We are taking Pippen and Horace Grant away from the Bulls in this draft. Okay. Now, well... I'm I'm selecting for the Sonics now. Is that isn't that right? The Bulls. Oh yeah, excuse me. Well, yes, but the Bulls are the Bulls are up again in two picks. But yes, the Bulls are picking for Seattle. So that... you, yes, even though the the Bulls are on the board, they are it, it is part of the draft day trade. Okay, so I will be drafting for Seattle, and I thought, man, Horace Grant would have fit in perfect on that Sonics team. Uh, but alas. It's not something that can happen. So, uh, what to do, what to do. Looking at my guys. And, and for uh, for clarity for the people listening, the original draft day trade, which was, as I said before, historic, was the Sonics picking Scottie Pippen at number five and trading him to the Bulls at number eight for Olden Polonies, who was the pick at that point. Uh, really not a great trade for Seattle. No. For, for, for the people that, that wonder if Scottie Pippen, oh, he came out of nowhere. It's, he went for Central Arkansas. The guy was still a top five pick. All right, spare me. He, he, he was clearly seen as a elite talent in this draft, despite going to a, a nowhere school. Um, You know, this Sonics team is pretty good <laughs> uh they've already got nate mcmillan dale ellis xavier mcdaniel even got tom chambers uh i guess a point guard would would probably be the way to go for this team you know they got sedale threat but um you know he wasn't wasn't that great sam vincent uh danny young um i think they could get better so i'm going to select a point guard i'm gonna take kenny the jet smith mm. to go play in seattle um i kenny wasn't the greatest player in the world but he was still uh, a a very helpful guy that helped uh you know the rockets win two championships he you know he had a pretty good rookie year this is a guy that's going to get you you know, 13 points and six assists a game. Uh, you know, that's that's nothing to shake a stick at. I think there are better players on the board, but the Sonics don't need though any of those players right now. So it just it just I don't know. I gotta go with Kenny Smith. I originally had him at this spot anyways. This is where I thought he would work. Um, so I'm gonna take Kenny Smith. Future Piston, Kenny Smith, by the way. Everybody forgets he played for the Pistons, but... Uh, for a uh, minute. For a minute. Yeah, I, liter literally a minute. <laughs> yeah, he went from 
back-to-back championships with the Rockets to two years later playing for, I say, half a dozen different teams and being out of the league uh, by 98. But it set himself up for a, a legendary broadcasting career, uh, the Absolutely. early retirement. All right, so the Sonics are up again at number nine. And by the way, did you know uh, one of my fun facts? Uh, Kenny Smith actually got more MVP votes in 1991 than his teammate Hakeem Olajuwon. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, yeah, the, Hakeem Olajuwon was kind of known as somewhat of a, a malcontent, maybe a problem child. He he came into the league on fire, carried the Rockets to the finals, and then as the team around him kind of disintegrated, he got unhappy. They weren't very good, and he Hakeem, always a bit of a ball hawk, uh, was kind of got this rep for a selfish player. He was angry all the time. Uh, but it's still a very dominant player, but the Rockets were they were just not very good. They were the they were a bad team. Well, I don't say a bad team, but a mediocre team year in and year out. So the, the Rockets trade for Kenny Smith uh, before the 91 season, and they they have this massive improvement. I don't say massive, maybe, I don't know, 10, 11 games. But the, the point is that they were much better. And Kenny Smith, God, of all people, Kenny Smith gets the, gets the most credit for that because he was the new addition. So if you look at the MVP voting for 1991, uh, Kenny Smith and Akeem Olajuwon both got MVP votes. Kenny got one more vote than Hakeem did. Wow. Uh, yeah. I, I it's a it's a fact that I don't know why NBA uh inside the NBA has never mentioned this before to my knowledge, but it is a hilarious stat. Okay, so the the Seattle Supersonics uh once again are up at nine. This one uh is their actual own pick. And this is not going to take me very long because I'm going to once again. Uh, stay the course of history. I'm going to take Derek McKee. Mm. Uh, Derek McKee, and for for Pistons fans, uh, I would say this is the best uh, of his generation. This is the best comparison to Tayshawn Prince. A a very long-armed, defensive-minded glue guy. uh, Could score on occasion when you needed him to, but didn't have that kind of mentality. And was, I would say, he. I don't know if he had the ability to be a volume scorer, but he was an efficient scorer. Uh, won pretty much everywhere that he played because he was that type of player. Uh, you, he was that type of blue guy. Uh, I don't want to say three and D, though he did develop a shot later in his career. But he, he he's just one of those role players, high end role players that really really good championship contenders uh, want on their team. And that's really what he was for Seattle in the early uh, Peyton Kemp years. And then they traded him to Indiana for Detlef Schrempf. And he was that guy for Indiana really till the end of his career. So I see no reason why I should change that. I, I think he's going to be great for the Sonics. And then when the Sonics eventually uh, trade him away, the, the guy they get for him is going to be great for the Sonics. So uh, Derek McKee, uh, this one actually almost as easy as the number one pick for me, uh, seeing who was left on my board. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a little surprised, honestly, I thought you would go a different way with that. Um, I know I did on my board, but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting. Okay. So the bulls are, are on the clock. Um, 
they don't get Scottie Pippen. They don't get Horace Grant. Um, they get uh, they got uh, what's his name? Reggie Lewis. Sorry, yep. no disrespect to Reggie. Uh, they could use themselves a big man, and there was a couple of different ways to go here. Um, is Charles Oakley still on the team at this point? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Okay. He, they've um, got one. They've got one more year of Charles Oakley. One more year of Charles Oakley. Yep, he is traded uh, a year from this draft for okay. Bill Cartwright. Mm. So then I think. Oh man, do I want to go center? Do I want to go power forward? Um, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go power forward over center because I think that you can, you can make things work with Bill Cartwright later and, and, uh, cause you're going to get him in that, uh, well, the Bulls originally trade. drafted a power forward here anyway. Yep. So, yep. We're going to draft another power forward. Then. They essentially drafted Oakley's replacement. I'm going to take the, the man who, uh, was originally the second pick in this draft, Armin Gilliam. Yes. The hammer. Uh, I think it's I think it's a really great fit. Uh, and Armin is another one of those guys that was a really good scorer for basically his entire career, which lasted until 2000. Um, you know, he was uh, a guy that was going to get you up to 19 points a game. Uh, was really good with with uh, Phoenix and um, in the Hornets there, and, and uh, had some good times in Philly and New Jersey. Got moved around a lot, Milwaukee, Utah. Uh, I think he fits right in with the, what the Bulls are trying to do, and uh, he can help take some of that uh, scoring pressure off Michael a little bit. Even though that's you know Michael's going to get the ball no matter what. But Armin Gilliam, I think, is another guy that, along with uh, Reggie Lewis, this is a really tough team to beat. Um, I, I think maybe they they steal one from the Pistons in 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 ninety maybe instead of ninety one. I don't know. Uh, Armin Gilliam to the Bulls. I like it. Yeah, so this is actually really interesting what we've done here. We 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 obviously Pippen and Horace Grant were such great value picks for the Bulls that there were no there was no way that they were going to drop uh, to their original draft slots. So what we've actually done we picked two players with the same archetypes, uh, Reggie Lewis for Scottie Pippen and Armin Gilliam for. For Horace Grant. So we, we've really set the Bulls on the exact same path, just with different names. Ah. And I yes, this, this is this is something pre- actually pretty cool that I I would I would love uh this what if uh situation just to see how things change, if any. Yeah, I still just I still hate that we've allowed the Bulls to continue to be good. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but the, the historian in me just loves it. Um, yeah, no, it is great. Yeah, the yeah, Armin Gilliam, uh, one of the original you know, UNLV running gun guys from Jerry the Jerry Tarkanian uh, years, uh, twenty three years old at, at the time of the eighty seven draft, uh, plug and play uh, like really immediately. I think he averaged like seventeen and nine his rookie season. Just the very definition of a plug and play guy, where you, you as soon as he got picked, they put him in there, and he was already a very good NBA player. And he was yeah, like you said. Uh, he he didn't really improve a heck of a lot, uh, but it didn't really matter because I look he obviously like like you said he doesn't go number two in a redraft of course, right. but he's still a quality NBA player. 
So the Indiana Pacers are up, and man, we have gutted uh, the heart of their franchise. Uh, Reggie Miller, instead of dropping to 11, which, my God, how did he drop to 11 in this draft? Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, so, well, there's no Reggie Miller on the board. Uh, so the, the Pacers, who are bad, will continue to be bad uh, around Chuck Person, who good player, but he's not going to carry you to the playoffs. So really it comes down to a couple players. I am going to select, you know what, if we're going to be bad, uh, let's be fun bad. I'm going to take Muggsy Bogues. Oh, man. The the five foot three uh, legend. Uh, I, I cannot say enough about Muggsy Bogues. For for someone that short to play basketball at the highest level, really one of the best players going back to high school. Uh, a legend, one of the he played on one of the legendary high school teams of all time. Went to Wake Forest. He was uh, All Conference there. Uh, played for the national team. Uh, he started for the for the stupid. He started for the national team. Every single place Muggsy Bogues went, he succeeded, uh, and that didn't stop at the NBA. Uh, he was routinely one of the greatest assisted turnover guards in the entire league. Uh, not the greatest uh, outside shooter, certainly not the greatest scorer. How can you be at five foot three? Uh, but he had a wonderful career, really, and the, and the Bullets really drafted him kind of as a joke. And I don't say that to be cruel, but it was kind of true because they already had Manute Bowl. So they wanted to have the tallest and the shortest player of all time on the same team. It was almost like a circus act, rather. They didn't take him seriously. And then he goes to Charlotte uh, when the expansion uh, Hornets enter the league in a year from now. And you know, he he's like Mr. Hornet from that point on. And he he leads teams that win fifty games and they're they're in the playoffs. And everybody that played with Muggsy Bogues loved him. I, that's another guy. That, man, if you go to YouTube, there's a great documentary. First of all, that NBA TV put out. Yeah, I saw it. It was very good on Muggsy Bogues. Uh, really, really well put together. And also his uh, friendship with uh, Reggie Lewis, who played. They were high school teammates, believe it or not. So I look the the Pacers are going to have to wait for that that franchise player. But I'll tell you what, Muggsy Bogues is going to still make them fun to watch. I know he did that with the Hornets, even when the Hornets were bad. Man, you, you robbed me of, I had a plan to fit Mug to fit, to fit Muggsy in with the run TMC warriors. It just would have been great. He could have came off the bench and that speed would have just continued to, oh man, it would just would have been great. You robbed, you robbed us all of that. Um, but yeah, okay. The Pacers, that's an interesting fit. I, uh, it would have been fun to see, uh, how that would have worked, especially since the Pacers fans really, really wanted Alfred. Steve oh, no. Alfred. Can you imagine, can you imagine the uproar? They would have if, rioted. If they, if they, because the whole argument for Reggie Miller over Alfred, uh, who for people listening at home was a, essentially a ball dominant, uh, two guard from it. Indiana, one of their all-time greatest players, but he was also, I think, 6'1", maybe 6'2", not really a point guard, fantastic outside shooter. But the whole argument that the uh, Donnie Walsh, the GM of the Pacers at the time, gave 
for taking Miller over Alford was that Miller was a six foot eight shooting guard and that Alford was six foot two. And Alford was certainly wasn't a better athlete than Reggie Miller, even though he was shorter. So, so but can you imagine if he, if Danny Walsh having the same conversation with the, the Indiana media <laughs> drafting a five foot three guy over Steve Alford? Oh my yeah. goodness. I don't, I don't know if he would survive that one. No, wouldn't have went over well at all. Like I said, riots in the streets or in the cornfields um, or whatever they have in Indiana fields. Um, all right. Lots uh, of fields in Indiana. We can lots of, that. lots of fields and strip clubs. Um, if you've ever driven through Indiana, you know what I'm talking about. There's they're everywhere. Uh, Lisa billboards are, um, Okay, so I have the Washington Bullets with the 12th pick. They're going to originally take uh, Muggsy Bogues here, uh, looking for a point guard. <clears throat> but there's I, there's really no good point guards left on this on this board. Um, so I I'm going to have to do something something different. Um, I think I I'm just looking at their team here. They've got Manu Bull, uh, and they've got Moses Malone playing center, which I feel like you just don't need to do. Um, he could be a power forward, and we could have another center come in who could do just as well. Um, so I'm going to do that. I think Olden Polynese, uh future Piston, would be a nice fit here. I think he... he uh, I think he had, it. No, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Why wouldn't you just put Moses at power forward and start Olden? Moses Malone? Yeah, Moses Malone at power forward. Well, I, I mean, even in the 80s, man, that floor spacing would be rough. Yeah. Well, I, 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 can't, I can't renege on the pick, so. No, I mean, it's not a terrible pick. Like, you're in a rough spot here. And look, you, you, <laughs> you have exactly one year of Moses Malone before he's gone to Atlanta. So okay. even in the worst case scenario, this could be seen as an investment in the future. Well, that's what we're doing. We're investing into the future. Olden Polynese to the bullets. I, I mean, it's, it's better than Manu Bull. Look, I love Manu Bull, but let's be honest. I mean, come on. Uh, wasn't the greatest ball player in the world. Uh, great shot blocker occasionally. And could even jack up a three, but Olden Polynese, you know, at one point in time is going to be a, a double, you know, a, a double, double guy. Like he's, he's going to be a really great player. It's going to take a while. Maybe uh, if he's here in Washington, he's going to get a little bit more playing time than he would have gotten elsewhere. Um, so yeah, Olden Polynese to the bullets. I, I like it. I'll stick with it. Okay. So I'm, this pick has kind of made itself because clearly there is one player on the board better than the rest. And given that the LA Clippers, uh, we've already had selected Kevin Johnson, correct? Correct. At, with the fourth pick. So That's you know correct. what? I, I'm going to fill up my backcourt with one uh, draft. I'm going to draft uh, Sharunas Marshallonis out of ah, the I like it. Yep. Sharunas, really more of a six-man type. Uh, instant offense. He, if you look at his uh, career, he didn't play very long because one, he came to the NBA late because just like uh, his fellow countryman Arvita Sabonis, he wasn't allowed to uh, un until later in his uh, career. And once he got to the NBA, he was a, a bit injury prone because he was Sharonis Marshallonis. For people that don't know, uh, 
almost like in the Vinnie Johnson mold where he was this short, stocky, I won't say short, he was six five, but he was kind of stocky, but he was a physical guard, man. Like he he would go to the rim, he would punish the defender as much as he was getting punished when when he got fouled. And his his the best years of his career, man, he was averaging 17, 19 points coming off the bench for Golden State behind those run TMC teams. So I am going to give him the opportunity he never really got. I'm going to give him a starting opportunity next to Kevin Johnson uh, when he comes available, which I think, true, I, when, when, when did he join the NBA? 89-90. Uh, yeah. So I, just like David Robinson, I'm going to have to wait two years for sure and Marshall Onis. But given who else is left on the board, and I think Marshall Onis is by far the best uh, playmaker uh, remaining, I am going to be extremely happy with what I get from him, considering one, you're the Clippers, you're always, you're, you're still going to be bad. And I, I, I think Marshall Onis, a, a crowd-pleasing player, I think certainly one of the uh, trailblazing uh, Europeans in the NBA, that's why he's in the Hall of Fame. So it, who knows? Maybe, maybe he'll he'll actually help the Clippers win a playoff series when when they get to that point in the early nineties and they're actually competitive. All right. Well, <clears throat> that puts me in in a bad position because, like I said, I originally wanted Muggsy Bogues for the Warriors because I thought that would be a lot of fun with these running gun teams. Um, <clears throat> but I got to pick somebody and uh, let's see who should I go with? I've got two players in mind. We've got Chris Mullen, uh, you know, really the two best players left on the board are, are small forwards. Um, in my opinion, uh, you might have, you might have somebody else you're thinking of, but two oh, I, guys- think the, I think the three best players in the board are all small forwards. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's three good small forwards left. Um, so this guy's coming off the bench. Uh, but you know, we want a guy that could contribute off the bench and get us some, some points. And, uh, I think that Ken Norman is probably the best way to go, um, for this team. Yeah. So I'm going to select Ken Norman to, uh, go play with the Warriors. He originally was drafted 19th by the Clippers, had a pretty good run there. Uh, this guy played 10 years in the league. Um, you know, uh, had some injury history later on, but uh, was pretty good, pretty good for the Clippers. Decent in Milwaukee as well and in Atlanta. Uh, I think that uh, I think he fits in with 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 what they're trying to do there. I think Don Nelson could make sure he gets uh, plenty of plenty of touches. And uh, yeah, Ken Norman. It's not the guy I originally wanted, but I think that there's a there's a good fit there. Yeah. So. Okay, I- Ken Norman, I, I think, would be famous mostly for being part of that uh, Loyola Marymount team with uh, Hank Gathers, his friend and teammate. And, man, we are just all over the 30 for 30 references. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A guru of go uh, about Paul Westhead and his time with the Loyola Marymount University, which spotlights uh, Hank Gathers uh, mostly and a bit on Ken Norman. Uh, another one of the original 30 for 30s, uh, Great, great documentary. I would recommend checking that out too. 
Look, there isn't a 30 for 30 I haven't seen. I I will I'll I will go right along with him. It's a it's a great one. Um and and trust me, I, I, you're probably gonna get a 30 for 30 uh episode reference on every single draft that we do. Um just wait for the Chris Heron one. I'm gonna have one for that too. Uh that's a great, that's another great one. Um but okay, so the Pistons are drafting 24th in this draft instead of sixth. Instead of six, um, you know, they're originally going to take, uh, they're originally going to take some guy named Freddie Banks. Uh, I don't even know who that is. I do you, what's, what's your favorite Freddie Banks moment, Keith? Well, I, I really don't have one <laughs> uh, because he, he never made the NBA. <laughs> no, he didn't. What do you think? Uh, who do you think would be available here? You know, do you go with Chris Dudley or? Uh... I, I, you know what, and that sounds like something Jack McCloskey might do because he was always obsessed. He he could not have enough big men on his team, especially given the way the Pistons played. I can kind of understand that. So maybe if he were to, if he were doing this, if I were Jack McCloskey, maybe I would pick Chris Dudley here. But I am not Jack McCloskey. Uh, I I am Keith Black Trigo. Okay. And with it, with the benefit of hindsight, I am going to take uh, Reggie Williams out of Georgetown. Oh, very now, nice. Now we 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 met, we met, I mentioned before that Armand Gilliam was twenty three at the time of this draft. One second, uh, Reggie Williams also twenty three at the time of this draft. I want to say he went fourth. He did. Yep. So uh, Reggie Williams. Uh, NBA, I would say he's a plug-and-play type of guy. Uh, he was pretty good right off the bat. Uh, Double-digit score. Uh, pretty, not his shot hadn't developed quite yet, but good slasher, good defender. Uh, people would remember him most from being uh, a key member of that 94 Denver Nuggets team that upset Seattle in, in one of the greatest playoff upsets of all time. Yep. Developed later on uh, into a rely- pretty reliable three-point shooter. I don't know if he makes a difference uh, on this bad boys team, but given that they did kind of have a little bit of depth uh, issues at the, at the wing, even though they had uh, Mark Aguirre or Adrian Dantley at this point, And later on, they'd have Mark Aguirre. They really didn't have a whole lot behind those two. And we had Dennis Rodman playing with three, which today that wouldn't work. I, I I think he is probably and Donald Royal gets an honorable mention here because he was a, a really long arm six eight uh, athletic defender, but just didn't have the offense uh, for me to consider him in this draft. Uh, Kevin Gamble would be another one on my list, but I, I I would take Reggie Williams and feel pretty good about it uh, if I were the Pistons picking here at fifteen. What about Cadillac Anderson? He gets picked right before uh, the Pistons. And and that's another guy that I think McCloskey might have considered because the the Pistons just had a love affair with Cadillac Anderson. But I, there's a, uh, there's a game where he plays with the, I think he was on the Spurs in in the late eighties and the Spurs are the worst. They're they're still the worst team in the league at that point because David Robinson hasn't come over yet. And they have Cadillac Anderson starting at center and they're, they're getting shellacked, but everybody, uh, everybody doing the game for the Pistons. I think Tom Wilson was doing color commentary, and everyone's just gushing over. Man, 
Look at Cadillac Anderson. Man, this guy is impressive. Look at big athletic. Okay, he's big and athletic, but he doesn't like that was that that was Caddy's uh entire career, really big and athletic. But he didn't really add a whole lot to the game uh from a skill perspective. Uh still he, he carved out a, a pretty nice career for himself. Uh, I'll give him credit, but in no way am I picking him in a in a redraft in the top fifteen. It's just never there's no draft class that you can give me that I would pick him in the top 15. I'm sorry. Nope. Well, that is the 1987 NBA draft. Uh, the next one we got coming up is 1988. And boy, oh boy, is this going to be an interesting one. Uh, it's This is the Danny Manning, Rick Smiths, Mitch Richmond, Hersey Hawkins, Thunder Dan Marley, Rod Strickland draft. Uh, and then there's there's a lot of other names in there. Charles Smith, Rex Chapman, Ronnie Cycli, Harvey Grant. Um, it's 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 a really interesting Ricky Barry. Um a lot of guys on here. Danny Ooh. Ferry will not be going number two. I'm willing to spoil that. Right oh, oh yeah. Danny Ferry. I, I, I will not be picking Danny Ferry number two on behalf of uh oh, I think no, it was the Clippers. That was uh, Danny Ferry is um, is eighty nine. I thought we were doing it. Oh no, it's eighty eight. I'm sorry. Eighty eight. Yeah, Rick Smith. My, my was, mistake. Was yeah, Danny Manning is. Oh, uh, Rick Smith actually does have a have a good have a good argument to go number two just on first glance. Boy, that eighty nine draft is going to be fun too. Yeah, that eighty nine. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just a mishmash of, of pretty good players, but no like real superstars. Well, there's there's one possible one. I wonder where Rex Chapman goes in in uh, social media star Rex Chapman. I wonder where he goes in our redraft. I guess we'll find out in two weeks. Does he still go? <clears throat> is he? Yeah. Who Who is the original Hornet and original Miami Heat in in a redraft? We're, we'll We'll figure that out in a couple of weeks. Um. Yep. And but for our next Piston, we got a a one that I'm really excited about. This is a guy that I have been a fan of since the '90s. Um, uh, this, you know, a, a player that when you look at him at first glance, you don't think, well, this guy's going to be hitting threes. No problem. Uh, Mr. Terry Mills is going to be our next episode. I'm super excited about this one. Uh, Keith, you know, what are your, what are your early thoughts? What do you think we'll, we'll get out of this one? Uh, Terry Mills, the very first major free agent acquisition in Detroit Pistons history. There you go. <laughs> one one of the original uh, stretch fives or stretch fours. Uh, he played both positions uh, for the Pistons at different points. Also, uh, one of the greatest clutch shooters in Pistons history, which is odd for a guy that never won a playoff series here, but it's it's very true. Won so many games for the Pistons in the nineties. Uh, he he was really their go to shooter at the buzzer. They wouldn't give the ball to him right away, but if if Grant Hill or Jody or whoever had the ball, got double teamed. The ball would always kick out to Terry Mills and being 6'10", 6'11", he would generally be able to shoot over whoever could close out on him at the time. Uh, what now, now he is never going to make anyone's you know greatest Pistons of all, uh, of all time list, but in, in terms of role players, man, he, he is just for anyone that saw him play in the nineties, that remember, especially for the people that remember the teal teams, uh, he he's got a special place in I think uh, every every Pistons fans' heart uh, from that time. 
Absolutely. And if you're a Michigan fan, which I am not, uh, he should probably have a special place in your heart. Uh, if you were a fan in the late eighties, cause he helped them win that national championship. Uh, so yep. Terry Mills is our next episode. We'll, uh, we'll see you on that one next week. Keith, tell the people where they can find you. Hi, my name is uh, Keith Black Trudeau. My Twitter handle, and that's really the only social media platform I'm on, is charlatan28. I discuss uh, basketball history. I, I do videos and clips uh, from my, my massive vault that I, that I have. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier already. I over the weekend I I put together a, a clip of Reggie Lewis and Reggie Miller uh, having a really interesting playoff duel duel from 1992. But that's that's generally what I do on on Twitter, and I'm part of Pistons Twitter. I'll I'll talk Pistons, but I'm more than happy to talk uh, NBA history of any kind. Yep, definitely worth the follow. Um... Also follow us on Twitter, Bad Boys Beyond at Bad Boys Beyond, um, and you know give us feedback. We we want we want to hear what you guys think of the show. We want you to suggest who we should cover. Um, there's a lot of Pistons out there, so we we plan to be around for a long time. And uh, and and you know sometimes it's hard for us to remember certain guys. I mean, you do, do you want us to talk about Mike James or do you want us? We could even do an Olden Paulinese episode, maybe a Cadillac Anderson episode. Uh, those are, you know, down the line. Again, if you annoy us enough, maybe we'll give you Joe Dumas. Um, but we're waiting on that one. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and then as for me, you can find me on Twitter at POD underscore Peyton. Um, Lions are starting to get into to full gear. Um, episode two of Hard Knocks is, is tonight. We're recording this on Tuesday. So when you wake up in the morning after you listen to this podcast, go to Pride of Detroit and uh, read my immediate thoughts on uh, episode two. Also on there, I've got uh, my thoughts on Friday night's uh, preseason game. And then this weekend, when the uh, Lions take on the Colts, I will have my thoughts up on that. And also you'll have my uh, Monday morning column. Um is uh is is going to be back in full force and my first one was was this past monday go check that out and uh yeah give keep supporting us uh like subscribe follow all that stuff and we will see you guys next week with terry mills